When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Insight Cricket. The third day at Headingley is complete and the game is tantalisingly poised. I suppose you'd say England slightly on top, really, with New Zealand in their second innings, 168 for five. Incredibly, England got a lead after being 56 for five on the second day. And now the situation is New Zealand are ahead by 137, but five wickets in hand only. And that redoubtable pair, Daryl Mitchell, and Tom Blundell at the wicket. So probably they are the key to the match, Simon, are they? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, they've been superb in this series. They've added over 600 runs together. England just seemed to be bowling at them all summer, but no matter, still winning the the test matches. I I think England are favourites to win this game uh, from this position. I did an interview with Tom Latham after play today and he said if we can get 250, 270 ahead, something like that, then we're in with a big chance in the game and they might well be. I mean, can England chase that sort of 250 plus score for the third successive match? It may be that it, it might be too far for them, especially if New Zealand get early wickets again, but you know England will go after it. You know they'll be positive. That might give it New Zealand a chance, but also might take the game away from them uh, very quickly. So as you say, it's, it is quite tantalisingly poised, but of course New Zealand might not get 250 plus the way uh, things have, have gone. England just taking four for 36. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a remarkable fight back from England. I mean, you know, sort of a day and a half after they were uh, 55 for six, it was, you know, way, way behind in this game. No, no right to be in this position. I, I would say they're, they're favourites uh, to win from here, but not guaranteed to win from here. Yes, I was getting my numbers mixed up there, wasn't I? I said, I think I said 56 for five, but actually it was 55 for six. It was even worse for England yeah, than that, yeah. yeah. So right. that partnership between Bairstow and uh, Jamie Overton in the end was, I'm just looking... 241. 241, 241, yeah. yeah. I mean, extraordinary uh, contrast. And, you know, sort of detached observers would be saying, how can the top order get bowled out for 55 and then the seventh wicket partnership be 240? I mean, just bizarre. But that's that's the beauty of cricket. And I think, actually, I think we're going to get more of that kind of thing because... Firstly, the skill of a lot of new ball bowlers is is at the one of the highest points that I've seen in the last fifteen to twenty years, especially in English conditions. 
and everybody practices their batting and and needs to yeah. practice their batting and as we heard from Alex Stewart uh, on on the podcast for the last couple of days if you in enforce or in encourage a batsman a, a tail ender to think a bit more like a batsman uh, there's every chance with the with the practice facilities available now and you know sundry numbers of coaches for every county team and lots of tools to practice with the latest of which could well be uh, a virtual reality type of practice i mean i've had a go with a headset and uh, you know a piece of software and facing real fast bowling in a headset has some merit i think once the the technology is advanced a bit more that you will actually be able to practice in virtual reality so you can sit up in the middle of the night in your in your bedroom or your hotel room <laughs> and practice against the the, the in swing of, of trent bolt and, and and deal with it and see what the results would have been uh, and I, I can just see batting becoming more and more efficient in its in the way that it practices and therefore there'll be no such thing as you know uh rabbits in in a way and, and in a way there's no excuse for there to be because there's there's every and, and actually as my other podcast i don't want to keep referring to this but as my other podcast the various of margins reveals with the interview with dr cheryl calder in this week's guest you if you practice efficiently and properly you can make yourself better at batting and she she talks about something called the i gym and which is e y e g y m and and how you train your eyes to to be more effective and i think more and more batsmen or more and more tail enders if you like will become more efficient at batting therefore my argument is there will be more of these lopsided scores where suddenly the conditions get easier and those highly potent fast bowlers get slightly less effective and you're going to get players at seven and eight making big scores. Yeah, it's a long way from the days of Fred Truman going into the opposition dressing room and saying, I, I, lad, if you hang around and you hang around, you'll be getting one by your ear rolls. Because when you didn't used to have helmets and all the all the padding, you go, all right, Fred, yeah, I'll, I'll have a swing. And you know, he takes like nine, ten jack. I mean, those stories might be slightly apocryphal, but you can almost imagine someone like Fred Truman doing it you know, back in the day. And, and yeah, I mean, when you were playing, I mean, you've, you've said this before, that you know, players, sort of lower order players, you know, didn't get the practice that they they needed well, actually and, to, to no, improve. And they didn't have the, the mentality to, to want to survive either. I mean, I remember a number eleven saying to me, I was fielding a short leg to a very fast bowler from for Middlesex, Wayne Daniel, and the number eleven said to me, "Just tell him he can have my wicket. I'll back away and I'll <laughs> have a swish and get bowled. I don't want to be hit. So just tell him he can have my wicket." And soon enough, he did. So when you were when you were playing, the sort of practice you you got was was cursory, was it? You you wouldn't get proper bowlers bowling. You wouldn't have that no, long. It was in the just nets. Mickey Mouse. It was just the, the faster bowlers who bowled all morning, bowling off spin at each other because they're exhausted. And mm. the the main objective was to slog as many of the practice balls out of the net and lose them so we could go and have lunch. Mm. Yeah, well, it's a bit, it's a bit different now. And I mean, Jamie Overton's got, you know, it's got. Well, A, he's got shots, and B, he's got a defence as well. I did feel sorry for him today. I think anyone who was at Headingley today, well, apart from perhaps the New Zealanders who were desperately to get him out, New Zealand supporters, you know, you can feel sorry for a, a player like that. You, you got so close, and it's 
okay, he has got talent with the bat. There's no doubt about it. But will he get that close to a Test match hundred again? You, you'd think it would be odds against. And he was, it was so tantalising for him as well. The match is tantalising in place, and, and his hundred was there. You could just see it. You could just smell it, see it, sniff it, whatever. And uh, Trent Bolt, he, he bowled really well to him. It was, it was a testing morning against Bolt. He, he put one out there to drive, and Overton thought, here we go. This is, this is the ball, if you can think that, in 0.4 of a second. Drove at it and nicked it to Mitchell at, at slip. It, it, it sort of felt as if it was coming, but when he got so close, you are just that one hit away. It, you know, it's it's disappointing, frustrating, whatever. And you know his mind would have been worrying. And Michael Vaughan was uh, saying today that he, in his first Test hundred, I think he said he was eighty-two not out overnight, and he didn't sleep a wink. Uh, you know, o- overnight before he, he he took guard the next day, it just shows you know, that that sort of magical three figures, how much it it plays with your mind and how much it it can disrupt you. And it was it was so different today. They were th- so free and easy yesterday. Uh, Best it was still pretty free and easy because he, he'd already got his hundred. Uh, but for Overton, it was it was rather tortuous. It took him about forty minutes uh, to score. What was it? Eight runs and ultimately uh, just failing. Um, yeah. And then, of course, yeah. Stuart, just to rub it in, Stuart Broad just comes out and starts you know, walloping it all around Headingley for you know, <laughs> party time for a sort of half an hour or so, just you know, middling most which, things. Which, which only goes to show how important the mind is, especially in batting, because Overton was in that lovely flow on the second day and, and just it was up, it was off, you know, and he was playing mm. beautiful sort of freewheeling, very uh, kind of almost no care in the world sort of batting and got to his into his 80s. And then you start thinking, oh, actually, there's 100 here if I play sensibly. And then, of course, you have that overnight break and all those kind of different permutations going through your mind. And you suddenly, I think you overthink it. And you say, well, maybe I should be a bit more careful here or maybe I'll uh, try and push a one there rather than just playing in a natural way without letting your mind clutter your natural rhythm and your natural flow. Uh, Broad, on the other hand, as we all know, at that that extraordinary innings of 160-odd against Pakistan at Laws in 2010, which obviously is a distant memory, but it shows when you're in the flow, it's it's amazing what you can achieve and he hasn't got anywhere close to that since, despite still having that same natural ability. So, a poor old Jamie Overton, as you say, scratched his way for another eight runs this morning and then perished to a ball which probably, on the day before, he might have carved through the offside for four. Yeah, or he, or he could have left. I mean, that's the other thing as well. He, he probably think, oh, why did I play at that? But, you know, he, he obviously felt it was there to, to play the shot. Um that that thing about a break is it's quite significant actually uh, today because when New Zealand batted there were two instances where wickets fell straight after a break. Tom Latham was out the first ball after tea, and then there was a, a rain break, and Devon Conway was out the first ball after the the rain break. Is uh, what, what is it about a, a rain break? I mean, you, you think actually that that was when you're sort of concentrating to your fullest you know you, you you go out there you start again okay you haven't got quite got the conditions you have to you, know, you do have to slightly start again but you you think your concentration would be switched on people often say oh uh, you know you is a breaking concentration and it is because you, you 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 go away and you you go and relax for a bit or have tea or whatever and you, but you come back but you think you, in a way 
the first ball, you, it would give you maximum concentration. It might be sort of by the third or fourth ball that your, you know, your, your concentration has sl- started to wane a bit, or the or the second over. I mean, it, perhaps if you do a statistical analysis, that wickets generally, uh, you know, over the course of a day don't fall that commonly straight after an interval. It just seems you notice it more. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because it has yeah. happened straight after an interval. Yeah. You just notice it more. Maybe, but th- it's a mindset thing again, isn't it? The bowlers have had a break. You know, they haven't been able to make a breakthrough. They've got together. They've had a chat in the dressing room. Right, let's try this. Let's try that. We'll start again. We there also there's that psychological knowledge that the batsman's got to start again because he's coming out fresh uh, after a break. The batsman himself thinking, oh, maybe I need to start again as well. So perhaps being a bit more cautious, perhaps trying a bit too hard. The momentum of the game has suddenly been interrupted. And when you were on top, you're suddenly sort of thinking, well, do, do I, you know, have, look, have a look at my score. Where am I? I'm 21, not out. Right. I've done the starting job. Now I need to carry on. It just causes an interruption in your natural flow. And for whatever reason, you play slightly differently to what you would have done before. Yeah, I mean, in, in football, there's a, there's a cliche and it's you're, you're never more vulnerable uh, than when you've just scored a goal. And and you, you often see, or you sometimes see a goal scored straight away at the other end. But actually, if you look at it statistically, it isn't the case. You're not statistically more likely to score straight after you've... Um, Conceded. If, if, sorry, you're, you're not. You're not statistically more likely to concede straight after you scored. It, it just that you notice it more if you've just you know in games. Where, you know where that happens. Do, do you know what I mean? So it, it may be that if you look at the whole sort of gamut of a a, a, a test series, the whole the, um, development of it, it you, you just notice it more if, if if a wicket does fall after a break. But you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, how often does a ball fall on the first ball of a, of a match? You know, probably not that often. It did happen in the Ashes, of course. We notice, we notice it more because it's the first ball. But I mean, in all the Ashes series that have been played, I bet there's never been a wicket on the first ball of, or, or hardly ever happened, has it? I, I think, think, there, I think there way, was way once, back when. wasn't there? Yeah, yeah way, way back, back when. when. So, you know, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, and you'd probably say, well, it's bound to happen statistically. So, yeah, sometimes, you, you know, we, we, we think these things happen um, and it's just, it often is, it's just coincidence. Anyway, it worked in England's uh, favour today uh, with those uh, two wickets. It's, you know, another one of those sort of strange up and down days, really. You know, lots of action in that morning session. Then New Zealand just settling everything down, making the pitch look good. You think, well, goodness me, they're going to get, a, we're talking about a lead of 400. And now you think they, they'll do well to cobble together a lead of 250, uh, 270 with those four wickets in, in the final session. It's been a, a really interesting series. It just feels as though, and, and we, well, we've seen it in the first two test matches, that England just seem to have the measure of this New Zealand side. One feature of England's bowling today, and been a feature of the series, and he's been, a, you know, he's, he's not exactly gone under the radar because he took wickets at Lords. But Matthew Potts has been excellent. He bowled really well in the first things without a great deal of reward, and today two more wickets, and he got rid of Kane Williamson again. It was a bit of a loose shot outside the off stump. He got Will Young as well, but he, he hasn't gone for runs. He just seems to, he seems to have that sort of energy, enthusiasm, and he has a very simple method, and he he, he just. He, he's a bit like that, you know. He, that comparison has been made with Scott Boland. He just seems to get it roughly in the right place most of the time, which is actually quite a significant skill for a bowler. Very much so. 
I'll tell you who I'm going to compare him to. And this, this is a slightly outrageous comparison, really, but I'll explain it. Courtney Walsh. And there's two reasons. One, Walsh uh, had a very nice sort of rhythmical approach to the crease and bowled with his arm slightly beyond the vertical. So it looked as if it was coming into the batsman, the right-hander, but then he made it leave the right-hander off the pitch. So you never knew what to play and what to leave, and he was very consistent in his length and line. But there's another thing that's similar to, to, to Potts, I think, and that is the mentality. That is his general um, just demeanour, actually, is very relaxed. He doesn't get too agitated. He's had a couple of catches dropped. He's beaten the bat a few times. Things have gone against him occasionally, and he doesn't seem to mind. He just smiles and walks back to his mark. There's no sledging. There's no losing his temper. There's no... He seems like he has a very equable mm. temperament. Obviously, when he gets a wicket, he gets quite excited, but mm. but not over the top. And that was what Walsh was like. Walsh was very phlegmatic. And I think that's really important for a fast bowler, actually, because it doesn't use excess energy. You know, fast bowling is a very, very tiring, exhausting thing to do. And if you, if you expend energy also in your emotion, then I don't think it's as easy to keep going. And I'll just compare him to Jamie Overton. Jamie Overton is, is someone who is much more passionate in a way, uh, much more engaged and sort of uh, you, you can see his emotions seesawing quite a lot more. You know, when he gets a wicket, he really gets pumped up. And I can sort of see when things don't quite go so well, he probably gets a bit down. And that's just a natural thing in his mentality. It works in a way because he's more of an explosive bowler who will probably have blow hot and cold. He'll have, you know, exciting spells where he bowls really fast and then he'll have some where he goes all over the park. And that's partly because of his his overall demeanour. Whereas I think Potts, just remarkably for somebody who's who's so young, he just seems very phlegmatic and that promises, for me, a long career, provided he doesn't get injured. Yeah, uh, and that's always the, the issue, isn't it, with, with a, a quick bowler. I actually, I spoke to him, actually, the first time I met him uh, this evening, I did the, the post-match interview, and you know, you sort of just get a sort of sense of someone's character. I, I said to him, actually, about the LBW shout on the, you know, the first day, Daryl Mitchell, I, you know, I said... You know, you, you had the LBW shout, um, you know, you're the new boy. Did you not, you know, did you not feel you could say, like, actually, look, I, I really must go for this. In the way that perhaps, you know, Stuart Broad might say, no, no, this is out. And, you know, you know, when Stuart Broad with DRS, he said, yeah, mm. we've got to go for this. And perhaps overall the captain, I don't know, or just sort of had the, that strong say on, on the field. And he just said, no, well, we, you know, we analysed it. We weren't quite sure. And then I said to him, you know, were you, were you frustrated when you, you saw the fact that he, he was out? He said, no, not really. He said, you know, it's just one of those things. It, it happens in cricket. Um, you know, he, he, I don't know, he may have been, he may have just have been saying that because, you know, you didn't want to sort of um, not call his teammates out or the decision makers out. But, you know, I just sort of sense that, yeah, it was just, it was, it was just sort of part of it and we, we get on with the game. And he, there's also there's also a confidence there as well, I sense. You know, sometimes young cricketers coming in okay they, they they have that self-belief to get that to that level and you don't play for England without that sort of self-belief but there, there's a there's a level of of sort of um, sort of nice confidence about him uh, mm. buoyancy he's a buoyant character as well so, um, sort of self-belief so, in there yeah yeah, yeah definitely confidence yeah, yeah. So it'll, you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see how his career develops. I mean, I, I remember saying to Alistair Cook, um, you know, at, at, earlier in the series, you know, you faced him a year ago. You know, if, 
if I said to you, you know, in a year's time, you'd be playing for England. He said, no, not not really. But I mean, you know, it's a remarkable summer for him. And and now he's he's right in the frame, isn't he? He he's he's an England bowler, and he looks he looks as if he's got a career ahead of him as well. Mm. I mean, some bowlers come in, and you think not not quite sure they they might make it, they might not, they might play a you know ten Test matches or whatever. Um, but you know, Matthew Potts is he looks like he's got something about him, and I I, I suspect as well somewhere along the line he might get a few runs. Um, mm. he, he, he's sort of that sort of. He's a good not, fielder too, isn't he? He's yes, a good he athlete. is. He is. He is a very good fielder. He did drop one at Trent Bridge, but yeah, he's caught some good ones. And but he's he's in that circle. And when the ball's played to him, he's looking for runouts. He, he he's not a, he's not like a grazer. He's not one of those uh, or one of those fielders you sort of knock it to and think, oh yeah, there's an easy one there or a relatively easy one. Yeah, he's he's on it. So yeah, he's he's sort of quietly had a very impressive uh, time of it. He, he looks a good pick. Um, but, you know, yeah, Mike a... Selvey, the the former Guardian cricket correspondent, yeah. played for Middlesex. I, I played with him briefly. Uh, he's described Potts as a bowler from the bottom up, which he meant by which he meant legs, strong legs, strong bum, you know, strong backside, yeah. uh, uh, sort of lower body. Is it looks pretty robust, and I think he it, it, that's a very valuable asset. You know, bowlers are. Uh, so, so many different kind of types of physique from the big hefty tall uh, Jamie Overton type to the lithe greyhound of Jimmy Anderson to the kind of lower slung type of bowler like Potts who has a quite a slim upper body quite spare but that doesn't get in the way of his nice kind of rhythmical uh, coil and uncoil of the ball of the, of the actual bowling but with a strong lower base, which will ensure that, you know, it should be uh, okay, actually, because you do need that resilience in your lower body for the shock impact of landing at the crease every time. Yeah, how, how do you think you'll get on abroad? I mean, we've seen him bowl in England. England have got a, a you know, very testing series in, in Pakistan. I mean, that's been the, often been the test, isn't it, for, for England bowlers? Uh, you know, to try to make something happen abroad on you know flatter pitches. I mean, the, mm. the pitches actually have been re- reasonably flat in this series. Perhaps Lords helped the bowlers a bit, didn't it? But you know, Trent Bridge was was very flat. This one is sort of, there's a bit there, but it's also quite good for for batting as well. What, what about bowling? Someone like Matthew Potts bowling abroad, say in Pakistan. I mean, mm. w- will he just find that really tough work, or, or do you think yeah, he's got I mean, something he, to work he, with? He will, he will. But I think that you, just from watching him the last three tests. He's learning new skills, like uh, the way he got Williamson out today. He went slightly wider of the crease and bowled the same ball, and it, Williamson looked as if it was thought it was coming in, and therefore played the the, the shot, played the straight bat shot, thinking mm. the ball was angling into him, and actually it shaped away after pitching, and he was caught kind of half between a cut shot and a straight back back foot drive, and got the edge. So. By varying his position on the crease, that will give him more chance abroad. I noticed he tried to a couple of Yorkers to the to to, to Blundell, I think, and he got yeah. those pretty well spot on. So he knows about wicket taking deliveries other than your basic line and length. I mean, where he'll need to improve, I think, will be bowling to left-handers because uh, you don't get the movement uh, in England in someone like Pakistan. So you've got to find other ways of taking wickets which means changing his position on the crease, learning to make the ball shape away from the left-hander, as Broad does, uh, a bit more effectively, perhaps some changes of pace. 
But I, I think he's got all the makings. You know, he, he needs to learn a little bit, maybe about varying his pace a bit more. Uh, but yeah, the thing is, I mean, Pat Cummins took wickets in Pakistan uh, and yeah. just by pure naked persistence and mm. just relentlessness. And, yeah. and obviously, uh, you know, some pace. He's got pace. So if Potts could find that two miles an hour more occasionally, that would help. Yeah, I mean, those two words you used to describe uh, uh, Pat Cummings, I think uh, they are the some of the attributes that Potts has got as well. There is that sort of persistence there about him. There is some re- relentlessness about him. Anyway, let, let's not go overboard about him. It's, you know, he's only playing his third test match, but he does look like a bowler with plenty of promise. And actually, you, you, you picked up on the Overton... Um, yeah, that sort of trait, if you like, and there, we saw that in evidence after tea because he, he got rid of Latham straight away. Then he hit Conway on the helmet. Then he hit him in the chest. You, you, you know, you you feel that actually somewhere on the line there might be that sort of spell in it uh, in in Jamie Overton. You know, that sort of really fiery spell where he really does unsettle a, a few players from, uh, from the opposition. You know, but as you say, quite two different, quite two different types of cricketer. Latham played well today. I thought it was a, a lovely crisp innings uh, from Latham. He played the innings of the day, 76 off 100 balls, but yeah, nipped out just after tea, and that was a real turning point uh, for England. One person we haven't mentioned today, we mentioned him a lot yesterday, of course, was, was Johnny Bairstow. Uh, delighted to get his 150. He was talking last night about the possibility of a of a double 100. Perhaps he was just beginning to run out of partners. Overton had gone and, and Broad had, had gone, and he was out caught in the deep for 162 and the score was uh, 351. I mean, he's in such magnificent form. He is hitting it uh, so crisply. But one thing that did happen to him today, he took the gloves because of Ben Folkes' back injury. And I just wonder, with the next Test match not too far away, uh, i.e. India on Friday, what are we, uh, Saturday night, so you know, five or six days' time, uh, you know, if Ben Folkes doesn't uh, recover in time, then whether, whether that opens the way possibly for Harry Brook uh, to make his Test match debut with Bairstow uh, taking over the gloves. I mean, he's Bairstow in such good form at the moment, number five, you know, just as a batter, that you don't actually want to distract him with the gloves. It's a it's, it's a funny situation, isn't it, now? that I mean, he kept well today. He t- took a catch or two. Um, what, what about Bairstow back with the gloves? Well, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think when you're in this kind of vein of form... You feel like not not saying I've ever experienced it, but I can see from others who have experienced it. They're sort of floating almost. You know, I remember Mike Atherton. You talk about him and, and that amazing innings he played in uh, Johannesburg, 185 not out, batting for I don't know 11 hours and saving the game. And he just said he can't remember much of it because he was just floating on this sort of bubble throughout it. And Bearstow seems to be batting almost in his sleep at the moment on sort of autopilot. So it doesn't take... And it's the same when you're bowling well, actually. When you're bowling and you're finding a fantastic rhythm and swinging the ball away and taking wickets or bowling how you want to bowl, it doesn't take much out of you either. And you just want to get to carry on and on. Uh, I'm sure Trent Bolt is probably feeling like that with the new ball at the moment. So I, I wouldn't have a problem with Bearstow keeping wicket, provided he doesn't get injured. What the last thing you want is him hit on the finger and then he can't bat. But I wouldn't have thought it would take that much out of him to keep wicket and a lovely opportunity if it uh, came about uh, for Harry Brook. Uh, but but you know, obviously that's a long way ahead. Just one thing about today, um, the crowd and the obvious enjoyment that England are having at the moment, yeah. led by Stokes, 
who's just looks like he looks. I mean, I've written this piece in the Sunday Times where I say he looks like his sort of fifteen-year-old self playing at Cockermouth. He just looks like he's having fun, and again, it makes the day go faster. It makes everything more enjoyable. Obviously, winning helps, but they just look like they're really enjoying each other's success and attempts and uh, ambition. The adve- the spirit of adventure is just bringing everyone together and the crowd are really buying into it. Yeah, there's the moment today where uh, both Bearstow, Stokes and Broad were all getting the crowd going at, at one point and the crowd responded as well. And they, they, I think they did sense that it was one of those sort of key moments in the day's play and Broad was, we've seen him do that already this series, you know, gee, the crowd up and Bearstow actually went over towards the West Stand and was like clapping his gloves as if they were symbols and the, yeah, the, the crowd got, got involved and... and and got going, and yeah, it's it it's amazing how quickly this is this has happened. Uh, there there will be bigger tests to come, possibly uh, against India. Although you wonder whether India might be just a little bit underdone, you know, suddenly to sort of parachute into a test match where England have already played three. We saw last summer when India, you know, hadn't played very much, and New Zealand had, and they were ripe for that and ready for that World Test Championship uh, final. But you know, there will be bigger uh, tests to come. But again, it's just uh, well, it's just been hugely enjoyable to watch it. That morning session today, and then that evening session uh, with England relentless with the ball and really putting some pressure on this uh, New Zealand side. I think this game could end tomorrow, Yoz. Uh, I think we'll be close to a finish tomorrow if it, if it's not done. Uh, we might need a bit of a fifth day. It very much depends on the on the old firm for New Zealand, Mitchell and Blundell. If New Zealand are to get a sort of total to challenging, but they, you know this series has been so unpredictable. Who knows? New Zealand might win by ten runs. Uh, adding another 40 but it's it's been it's been great cricket it's been a really wonderful series so far and there's still one more uh, chapter to go yeah okay well one more chapter to go it's been a, an entertaining read so far and i'm sure it will continue in that vein we'll be back at this time tomorrow to review the fourth day's play and perhaps the conclusion of the game speak to you then thanks for listening <laughs> Podcast Network.